another guy that supported me tremendously, uh, a guy named Mr. Fraser. He, he actually, Robert Fraser, um, he, and we follow each other on Twitter still, uh, he was doing a Peter Falk impression in the schoolyard in seventh grade. Uh, wow. Columbo had just premiered, and I had watched it, and he was doing a very bad impression for about four girls, one of whom I had a crush on. And I went up to him and I went, remember, it's 1972. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Fraser, sir, I'm sorry to bother you, but uh, there's been a murder here. <laughs> You're killing a Columbo impression. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, my friends. Yes. <laughs> I was going to suggest Pinky in the Brain if your height differences are so, oh. you know, <laughs> But you know what? I, I like I like, I like, like where you're going. Like Thank you. Thank you. I do want to clarify on one of the plugs. I am also appearing on the 5th. It's November 4th through oh. 6th at the Rhode Island day. Comic Con. I, and, the can, and the Canton Ohio Con is called uh, Hall of Fame City Con. Even Hall though the Hall of Fame is in Cleveland, an hour away, okay. they call themselves Hall of Fame City Con. So, yeah, come out and see us. That's a one-day con. That's Rob a one-day one. Just going in for one day. Yeah. Here's the thing: a lot of people don't know about me. I know how to write. I just don't know how to read. It's a real. It's Excellent. a double. Yeah. It's a bummer. And, yeah. Well, the dash generally <laughs> can mean through. Can mean two. Can mean jump right over it. Yeah. I don't know. I knew enough to put it. I just did. I was like, well, I know that means something to somebody, but not me. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry about that. Um, I'm, no, I'm excited no. though. I hope we get to go. Cause I'd love to see you there. We probably won't be able to get anywhere near you. <laughs> You're going to be like, not those two. <laughs> do you enjoy like the, the cons? Like, do you get into it as much as like, I feel like the fans are ravenous at it. Like, are you still into it because you've been doing them so much? I, you know, I have, uh, I have gotten into it. I have gotten into the idea, you know, that people are, people are really touched by, you know, work that, that all of us have done, all of us actors. I'm just talking about me, but you know, these folks show up to tell you what the show and what your performance meant to them. And I've watched them do it with, with Carrie Elways with tears in their eyes, yeah. uh, who's a good friend of mine. And they've done it with me. I've, I can't tell you how many times it's happened. I would say it happens at least once a con where, and I have a hard time saying that word without thinking of my dear friend, William Shatner. <laughs> so I think of every time he goes to a comic. <laughs> gone! Um, it's, it's magic. Um, I met William Shatner for the first time um, 14 times. Bill never never friggin' remembers me. Doesn't matter how many times I see him in the green room. It's just I'm I'm a non-entity to him. Oh, and I God. created I created a day for him. I created an international talk like William Shatner Day. And uh I just he just I just don't register. I don't wow. But that's what I've, 
That's good. I've, he's met he's met billions and billions of people, and you know, uh, I mean, it's it's got to be hard to keep everybody straight for him. So he just goes, ah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, he, I, yeah, yeah, right. There's, he's I'll just, just give a polite nod. <laughs> we had reached out to see if you wanted to come on early on, and it was the mm -hmm. shortest email response I've gotten from. I've had people pass politely. I've had people say in a few months, he just wrote back, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all, it's all. You've got me. Yeah. The next best thing to William Shatner. <laughs> I didn't go up on the ship and I didn't question God and say, excuse me. Oh God! Who's God need with a starship? <laughs> but you know, I I did create international talk like William Shatner Day, and uh, oh. it caught on. Um, so uh, yeah, he strikes what me as somebody about. I don't know. You, Can you, I tell you something? Oh, oh, Comic Cons. Oh, you Comic -Cons. asked me yeah, if yeah. I enjoy them. So the, the the short form answer is I've grown to. Initially, I was initially I was rather trepidatious, and this was pre pandemic about germs about uh, meeting mm. people and shaking all their hands and this was 10 years ago and i just i'm just i'm not quite the world-class germaphobe my friend howie mandel is mm. but um and then when i say my friend i do mean we're, we're like lifelong friends with the high school oh, nice. um <laughs> oh, awesome. and uh but i i do you know i worry about you know getting cold because then that holds up i can't work with a cold the, the cold just throws everything off i don't just sound like the celebrities i'm doing with a cold i sound <laughs> like you doing impressions, like you doing impressions. <laughs> I, presuming whichever of you has the least facility for doing voices that's who i sound like when i have a cold you trying to do my characters yeah right so um you know i used to, that that was my whole hold up with really getting involved with con life um and it's really come to be a lovely experience to meet people here with the, I mean, once I started to say this, once at least a con, I meet somebody that has a story where they struggled as a team and, and they had a particularly bad day and they had a plan, if you know what I mean. And somehow or another, they flipped on Animaniacs or Pinky in the Brain and it took them out of that moment and that plan and into a place of laughter and just that just that 20 minutes or so of laughing made them shake it off made them try you know decide to try another day and, and try to wow. face another day and 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 for them in, in many cases these people are just lovely people who have got lives and you just go i'm so glad you didn't and yeah. i get up and give them a hug you know yeah. um it's it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem because right. i think when people when people suicide they just want the pain to stop mm -hmm. you know yeah. but but i can't i mean there there's been there have been studies of people who attempted and they survived and in that moment where they thought it was irrevocable they thought i don't want to die right you know and yeah. so you know, I um, I'm, I'm very glad to, you know, unintentionally or inadvertently uh, have played a part in in helping anybody through through my performance. And I'll be the first to admit I'm no altruist in this regard. 
Uh, I was just trying to make a funny cartoon show so they'd ask me back so I could pay my mortgage. Right. You know, yeah. so, um, you know, but somehow or another entertainment really, uh, you know, fills a purpose in our society. And I, I can't remember Stan Lee's words about that came out after he passed. He, he said he, he had people he went to school with were doctors and lawyers. And he, he wondered if he was really, you know, doing anything that meant anything. Then he realized that entertainment keeps people from going off the deep end. And that's a rather noble pursuit. I'm paraphrasing Stan, mm -hmm. uh, but that's, I think uh, I've come to look at my, my life and career that way. I didn't necessarily have the, the focus to, uh, you know, become anything, you know, in the, in the, in the, the healing arts or anything like that. But the, my healing art is I make you laugh. Nice. Yeah. Was there Not right now, right now I'm being as morose as fuck. <laughs> Mr. Morbid. <laughs> it's listen we're morbid, starting off morbid the, morbid the podcaster instead of more <laughs> morbid the newscaster <laughs> what the fuck get off it lamarche morbo morbo is Do one something of for now. <laughs> morbo is one of my favorite i enjoy any scene i know coming up that's gonna have morbo in it because it's just so fucking genius like i never know what they're gonna say i never know what they're gonna do with him but it kills me every time well, he's so enraged at all times. And mm -hmm. even when he's being jovial, you know, when he's hosting the talk show and and Billy West's Nixon, who I think is the, that's the favorite oh, yeah. Nixon of mine in the entire business world. Hello, Morbo. How's the family? <laughs> Belligerent and numerous. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but my favorite what? Morbo moment is when they're at the... Uh, the art show, uh, you know, and, and uh, Fry has given everybody in the world $300. Or there's something, I don't know if it's Fry, somebody somewhere, there's a rebate of $300. It was meant as a little jab at the at uh, George W. Bush when, when when decided to do that, when there was too much money in the coffers. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and, and Morbo's wife, who we've never seen since and had not seen at that till that point, is adjusting his tuxedo tie and these they're kind of ducked behind a, a pillar and he goes it's fine it's fine i will destroy you <laughs> <laughs> and I if i do one... cameos if i do cameos i i generally throw in and i will destroy you if they've if they've uh -oh. asked for futurama characters to wish them happy birthday I would, this is more more than you to wish you a very happy birthday but i will still destroy you so <laughs> if you want me to if you want me to destroy you <laughs> or if you want to be told you're going to be destroyed for your birthday, look me up on Cameo. That'd be great. My birthday's coming up in a month. You should do it for the dystopia. We should do that for the dystopia intro. It should somehow should end or close that way. Why not? <laughs> Welcome to dystopia tonight. I will just. <laughs> I will destroy you. <laughs> and in honor of dystopia tonight, I will destroy you so that the dystopia will end. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> I love the yeah. one where the brains take over and Morbo is just like you see him for the first time, like giddy, just spinning in a chair. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's so good. Pathetic human race, yeah, arranging your information alphabetically only made it easier to absorb. <laughs> Exactly. I gotta, I gotta yeah. ask you: Was there anything in particular? Because we were talking a bit about the effect that you've had on other people, and the, and you get to see that firsthand at the comic cons when they get to talk to you. Is there something in particular in your life, coping mechanisms that you developed either over the years or maybe when you were younger, um, that helped you through the tough times, or is it just being able to do those voices for you? Um, my my coping mechanisms are are uh, 
yeah, they are more along the lines of just like during the pan. The, 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 we're still in the pandemic. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. Mr. <laughs> President, but yeah, I know. Yeah, right? I guess we're not we're, we're not in lockdown anymore. But right, I have a friend who like the day the day Biden said pandemic's over. Like within, he couldn't have written this. It would have, it would have seemed contrived. It was in a film. Texted me, goes, well, I guess it's my turn in the barrel. I have COVID. And this girl's a health nut, and you know, only eats natural foods, vegan, all that, and right. she's got COVID. Yeah. On the day that the that the pandemic ended, um, you know, and it, I think people that catch it at this point are just feeling very late to the party. You know. Like, oh, totally. They thought they were super super people. You know. Yeah. Or they had the special the special genetic. Uh, uh, makeup that made them immune and no, yeah. it's going to get yeah. us all just like a cold gets us all absolutely colds get us all we all get the flu once in a while and i guess covid is, is around to stay it just happens I, to kill four more four times more people than yeah the flu. he said that and here. it was at the time like 500 people still dying a day and we were like what the fuck yeah. is he talking about he's out of his yeah. mind but um, 100 150 people were dying a day of the flu i mean it's yeah. just it's it's yeah. it's the human condition, unfortunately, that diseases get us. But we are, uh, I guess, we are coming out of definitely coming out of uh, the whole lockdown thing. Although uh, there are so many businesses mm. that have changed their business model based on the pandemic. Like my bank still does not, you know, open past noon on a Saturday, right? You know, yeah. and it yeah. used to be open till four and closes at five instead of six uh during the weekdays and it's like well I, uh -huh. yeah there's a classic restaurant here in Lo in los angeles called muso and frank's grill oh my it's god it's been here since 1919. yeah and they have a classic okay. dish they've been serving all that time at lunchtime called flannel cakes they, these you know wafer thin they are <laughs> wafer thin uh crepes but they're flavored with a little bit of cinnamon and a little bit of vanilla and they're served, you know, they take up the entire plate, a stack of three with drawn butter. They're delicious. They're absolutely amazing. And, wow. um, and I, I, you know, I, I called them because I had my niece coming in from out of town and they are not opening for lunch ever again. What? And that is a lunchtime, that is a lunchtime item. It's one of those things that, uh, it's you know it's like it's like the soup Nazi it's the the the, the flannel cake Nazis used to be if I went at two fifty nine and my butt wasn't in the seat at three that's it he throws the batter out and you're on your own it's wow. sand dabs from that point on so you get there before three but now they're not going to make that dish anymore and that's been a staple since nineteen nineteen so you know businesses things have changed and I don't know that they're all going to go back it's kind of weird. Yeah, but my yeah. my my coping mechanism, I guess, is acceptance and just trying to have as much social interaction as possible. Uh, during the pandemic, I was the guy who uh, every day I said, "Does anybody need anything from the store, please?" <laughs> my son, my wife didn't matter, and I would mask up and glove up when we thought you know that gloves helped. Yeah, excuse me, and go go over to our our local supermarket or our pharmacy just to see other faces. And yeah. to change my scenery, that helps yeah. me to talk to people. And I would go on, uh, you know, I I, I belong to a, uh, oh, okay. how do we say this? A fellowship, um, a fellowship of men and women who don't drink one day at a time. Ah, don't want to name the fellowship, but let's nope. just say uh, that uh, you know we all help each other not take the first drink one day at a time in this fellowship. Mm. 
And so I would go on a Zoom meeting of that every day. And that was really helpful because I just I just need people. I need a lot of interaction and I need a lot of uh, I need a lot of sympathy. It's really what I need. I don't know why. There's nothing to feel sorry for. Um, you know. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm my, my life's running pretty well, actually. Um, but you know, I can't fly private. I'm not I'm not that successful. I can't fly private like my friend Howie Mandel. Feel sorry for me. Harry doesn't Howie doesn't let you uh, ride on one of his jets. <laughs> oh, I've, I've gone. I've gone on a oh, couple all right. of, uh, of trips with Howie on, on private jets. Oh, but, good, good. You know, that's like that. That's like to me is like the 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 the, the pinnacle. And since I didn't achieve that, I'm a failure. Uh, yeah, you know, that's what that's what <laughs> this tells me. You know? Oh, we had we had a one of the early guests. We had Carl Gottlieb on, and he was talking about mm -hmm. uh, why he doesn't hang out with Spielberg anymore. And I was and I was like, yeah, I'm like uh, had a falling out. And he goes, well. You know, he goes at a certain point. You just if you don't have your own private jet, you don't get to go skiing in Vermont. It's <laughs> just like yeah, in the Hamptons. Yeah, he's like get to go skiing in the Hamptons, and I was like, "Fuck, that's harsh." Yeah, I, I, yeah. I guess, I guess, <laughs> I don't. Far be it from me to to uh, disparage my boss, one of my bosses. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, you know, this, people just drift apart. Is the thing. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, speaking of bosses and speaking of Spielberg, and to leave off uh, Carl Gottlieb for a second, um, uh, we are also working on another season of Animaniacs coming to you on you on the awesome. Hulu. Yes, uh, so that that's good, and I think that that's going to be our our uh, our finale. You know, I think we oh, nice. listen. I mean, we got to do thirty six new episodes in you know in the twenty first yeah. century, and. Wow. Uh, and, and bring you new Animaniacs, new Pinky in the Brains, and uh, we're very proud of what we put out there. So keep it eyes. You know, Thanksgiving-ish is when it'll drop, and Sweet. that's good. Yeah. What do you think is good? Because there's like a bunch of reboots, you know? I mean, like everybody seems to be doing one, but you guys knocked it out of the park with the new Animaniacs. Um, well, I, 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 I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with the new Tiny Toons. They did mm. not follow the same model. I mean, Stephen actually went in with um he actually went into the pitches he, he pitched they pitched it to all the streamers and who was the one that that uh, you know offered the best deal but he went in with eight by tens of us and our characters like a little split thing and he put them on the table and said these are our stars wow no recasting these are the voices of people's childhoods and we're trying to give them their childhood back and we don't do it by recasting with celebrities that's great. All this, all the ancillary stuff, we can do whatever we like. But Yakko, Wacko, Dot, and Pinky in the Brain, you know, uh, which Yakko and Pinky are the same guy, my dear friend <laughs> Rob Paulson, mm -hmm. uh, they stay the same. So I think that's that's the knock it out of the park factor. And he right. didn't he didn't deviate from the original artwork. I mean, he 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 made it a little bit sharper. But he pretty much, I mean, there were there were there were adjustments that were made. I think they honored the fact that it's 2020 and brain still hasn't taken over the world so he's a little edgier a little pissed off <laughs> a little more willing to use death rays and that type of thing or, um or he's used to you know everything was like some sort of mass hypnosis scheme back in the 90s now it's like fuck it i'm killing people <laughs> <laughs>
decimate is a military term. It means to reduce by a tenth, and that therefore demoralizes the populace and makes it easier for me to step into the breach, and that's what I'm fucking doing. Um, <laughs> sorry, Stephen, I'm sorry. I shouldn't. <laughs> now I won't get to go on the private jet. Oh no! Oh man, that's, that's the rule. Sit there with Carl Gottlieb and. Uh, <laughs> and <his wife. laughs> oh my so, god! So, um, you know, I I, uh, I I think though on Tiny Tunes, I know they've recast. I know they've done some. You know, they've they've gone with younger people, and uh, they I don't think any of the originals are back, wow. and they're trying to, to, to totally reinvent the show. Wow. And I wish them well. I wish mm. them luck, you know. Yeah. But I, I don't know if it's going to have the same traction as this show. I mean, I don't think people that watched it in the in the 90s will necessarily return to it, but maybe it's it's going to grab a whole new audience of uh, of of tweens and teens and uh, listen, I hope it's I hope it's huge. Yeah, hopefully or both. Maybe. I think it would my friends and I watched it almost immediately and it was almost like that trepidatious, like, Oh man, like, is it, is it, you know, that's the thing you're right. You're dealing with people's childhood. So you're like, Oh man, I hope they don't whatever, you know, damage like right. the memory, but you guys, I mean, it's so good. Like it's almost like you guys just never stopped. So it's really cool. Well, we actually didn't stop. I mean, we used to go to each other's houses and just table read old scripts, you know, which Trust McNeil found really annoying because she did in her home address from us for, <laughs> All those years, so successfully. <laughs> um, we, uh, you know, but which, in 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 all uh, all seriousness, uh, we have had a chance to keep those characters going thanks to the the, the con world, to mm, you know yeah. get out and you know be pinky in the brain. We do panels. We would do panels where we'd read a script and actually we'd bring people up from the audience to uh, to join in and play other characters. So one one that was particularly well populated by guest characters was the uh, the tongue twister episode written by my my late friend gordon bressack called you said a mouse full oh. it was <laughs> fun to bring up uh you know uh, uh, non-pros from the audience and have them struggle with uh, the hack and sack kicky sack kicking company i, I struggle with it and i'm a professional uh, <laughs> rob paulson never struggled with it he's, uh. he's got a facility for Keeping lyrics straight, words straight. He, uh, we had John Moshida mm. on that episode, who was the fast, the fastest talking man in the world. Right, mm -hmm. old Federal, Federal Express commercials, and uh, he played our our boss. It was one of those, you know, get a job, infiltrate the company, and then send out the thing that's going to take over the world. And and uh, you know, the mind control device that was implanted in every kicky sack sack kicker, mm. uh, and. Uh, <laughs> I blew the most lines. I blew so many lines. I walked out of the recording booth into the control room where Gordon was just laughing hysterically. And I just slugged him in the arm like Lucy used to slug Linus in the Peanuts cartoon. <laughs> then I walked back in and I could finish my line. Uh, Mashita screwed up only a handful of times. And Paulson only screwed up one once. Just wow. one, one line and the rest of it. He was right on. He was perfect. Were you and Rob so, friends before you met on Animaniacs? Yes. Yeah. We, we got to be friends on a show called Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh, my God. I used to watch so, that show all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was a tomato guy. <laughs> tomato! <laughs> Which I based on a very bad Woody Allen impression. 
and uh, <laughs> you know, and and Sean Aston's dad, John Aston, mm-hmm. he's Gomez from the Adams family, um, uh, was um, was the villain. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it was a very arch show, and I loved the humor on it. Um, yeah. John, John, and I have the same birth date, March thirtieth, and we speak every year on our birthday. I think we've only missed two times. Wow. Uh, we call one of us calls the other, and uh, and it's really lovely to talk to him. He's uh, at ninety two. He's still got it. He's got it all. He's still wow. he's still keeping it straight. That's great. Uh, up there. Yeah. So, but that's where Rob and I really discovered our, our mutual love of all things Python and there, uh, uh, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. He's a big um, goon show uh, freak. I'm, I, was, I never took to the goons quite as much, but uh, we love British comedy and a lot of the sensibility. I mean, I think that's part of what made him make that choice for Pinky because they didn't say, okay, the, the mouse is cockney. And everybody, in fact, John, here's a little interesting tie, and John Aston was the lead choice for Pinky on the end of day one wow. of uh, auditions. And then Rob came in on day two, and they went, oh, no, no, that, that works. That, that, oh. that, that Cockney thing against the Orson Welles thing is, wow. is, is going to be really funny. So, yeah. That's so, incredible. so that's, yeah, that's, uh, so, but, but we bonded over our love of, of, of uh, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, especially they have they they have a, they have a what they used to call an underground tape called Derek and Clive Live, <laughs> and uh, Rob and I both had memorized that thing backwards and forwards, and the Brits use a, use the c word as a term of endearment. Yes, yeah. they do. Yeah, and so Cook and Moore take the take the piss out of that by just using it every every time they address each other, and it becomes. It becomes absolutely, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, well, it becomes hilarious because it wears you down. You know, you, you start, you filter, and then you realize, oh my God, it's it's, it's just, it's, it, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, by the way, after 60, uh, <laughs> things go knees and names, and that includes the names of things and names of processes. And anyway, uh, not innocuous, ubiquitous, ubiquitous. Oh, there you the go. Word is, yeah, just every other word is the c word. Um, but it, so we we still to this day text each other and call each other the c word like two old British rockers. And now Carrie Elwes has joined us, so we have a three way chat with Carrie, and we just see who can use the c word more. Yeah. How did you wind up meeting Carrie? Carrie did an episode of Pinky in the Brain. He did. Um, he did the uh, the Hamlet. Uh, parody oh, called the melancholy yes. brain and it was him and olivia hussey julia wow. from the zeffirelli romeo and juliet who yeah at the time i believe she was 42 and she still looked like the the, the 17 year old juliet i mean wow. alabaster skin and just a, just a, a lady through and through so you know and but the stuff that was going on between takes carrie was like sweating he was laughing so much <laughs> We would c-word each other, and and so, uh, <laughs> and he was like, "I got to get in on this." So we have dinner with Carrie twice a year, but we are on we are on the uh, we're on the uh, the chat for like years now. Just oh, that's great, and he's a great guy. God, stories he's got. Yeah, I, I always want. I love that you guys 
just get together and do the C word in your characters or whatever. Cause I always want, I used to see clips. I don't think they're on YouTube anymore, but old Warner brothers cartoons where they would just have the characters curse for like blooper reels. Have you seen those? No. Oh, and it's, I, was it, is it really Mel? Yeah. It's Porky Mel is Porky oh. big and, and uh, cursing. Oh, and oh, well, I do remember him. He had a stammer and he goes, need to fuck it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple See, ones. I'll, just use the, like I'll use the F word. I'll use the S word. C word. I will not do on the camera. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No, you're, you're um, canceled. That's the other C word. That's so. the other. Yeah, there you go. And then that's the end of that. Yeah. Uh, do you remember? I mean, were you always interested in doing voices when you were a kid? Did you have another career path? Did you want to go into entertainment like since you were young? Well, I didn't know that you could actually do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't. I, you know, it's it's different than being a kid raised in Los Angeles or New York where show business is a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and you can start working, uh, you know, you know, uh, to, to, to be a, a diapered baby in a, in, a, in a commercial, which is still a goal I have. Um, but <laughs> I'm waiting for it. There you go. No, I, uh, but I mean, in Toronto, it just, it just wasn't at the time, there just wasn't the same opportunities. So I didn't know something like that could happen. For mm. me. But I always did voices because my escape as a child was into cartoons. And I would walk to school going, I'm a sophomore at this point. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> kindergarten. The humor did get a little more sophisticated for sophomore year. Uh, right. But I'm in kindergarten. I saw that Bugs Bunny cartoon with Geeky Buzzard. Mm -hmm. And I just loved his voice. And and so I, I, you know, I just took just took the took the Mickey out of it, and uh, uh, I'd I'd always done voices. Uh, it was a way that I found that my friends laughed, and um, you know, I, I kind of figured out that if someone's laughing, they can't be mad at you at the same time, because there was a lot of anger in my household growing up, yeah. and uh, you know, my my way of staving off anger was to distract you with by, by being by being funny. So um, I was a class clown, and then I graduated to school fool. And I did, you know, I did all the, I did the, the morning announcements all through uh, high school. You know, nice. vice principal ceded control of the mic to me, and I, I did these like little creative, you know, radio commercials and played all the parts. And you know, I, and I was editing with a with a razor blade, but I didn't have a proper edit thing, so I was just like scotch taping by hand to make these cassettes of of effects or music or, or the other character background noise. And I would wow. rehearse them. Instead of doing my homework, I'd rehearse the morning announcements until one in the morning. <laughs> wow. And they came off without a hitch. And, you know, it was, it, I got a lot of attention in school because of my morning announcements. And then one day, Mr. Bean, and, and actually his name, he's, uh, <laughs> looked nothing, he looked nothing like, uh, like, like the British character, but he looked exactly like a human version of Mr. Spacely oh, from the Jets. Oh, that's so great. He even had the little plastic shoulder epaulets and a jet pack. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but he called me into his office. And he said, listen, we love you. We think you're great. We think your announcements are terrific. Your appearances in the Variety Night are terrific. But <clears throat> I want to show you something. He showed me my report card. He said, you see where, you see, this is phys ed. And you failed phys ed. And I looked at it and I went, how can I fail phys ed? I got a 52. 
that's like that's like on the other side. No, no, fifty-two is your absences. You wow. were, <laughs> yeah. So, and I have like if you counted, looked at my absences, it looked like I was an A student, but no, they were all. Oh my god! You know, just because I would just spend so much time entertaining my friends in the auditorium, you know, where we do, yeah. you know, free periods. And um, it was called a cafetorium. So it was a cafeteria and an auditorium. It had those chairs that, those tables that they were, they were flat. And then when there was an event, you lifted, turned them, and then you took your back against it and watched the stage. Right. And um, and that was it. That was the end of my high school career. I mean, I, mean, I played geniuses on TV, but I'm a fucking high school dropout, guys. Oh, I, wow. I, I just... I just pronounce big words well. It really <laughs> Wait, now have you ever run into your high school teachers later in life as you're successful and you've been like, uh, come on guys, look at me now. Um I I've gone to a couple of high school reunions and 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 uh, the the principal actually took my wife aside at I think our 20th and said we we always knew this wasn't the path for him. We're so glad that things are working out for him in in the hollywood right now and uh you know wow. I, like, I don't i don't remember it that way i don't remember you being so happy for yeah, me that, yeah you know i was such a good performer right but, you know yeah i've <laughs> i've stayed in touch with a couple of my my teachers and uh and, and there was one particular um guidance counselor who was more a therapist than guidance counselor named peter harris he probably saved my sanity through all of junior high and I've got I got to stay in touch with him and be in touch with his friends and with his with his, with his friends with his family, family and friends. It's a family and friends deal. If you <laughs> stay in touch with Mo, your family and friends get. To, but I still see them, uh, when, you know, when I'm in Toronto. And uh, he was a lovely man. So yes, I I and uh, another guy that supported me tremendously, uh, a guy named Mr. Fraser. He he actually Robert Fraser. Um, he, and we follow each other on Twitter still. Uh, he was doing a Peter Falk impression in the schoolyard in seventh grade. Uh, wow. Columbo had just premiered, and I had watched it, and he was doing a very bad impression for about four girls, one of whom I had a crush on. Hmm. And I went up to him, and I went, remember, it's 1972. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, Mr. Fraser, sir, I'm sorry to bother you, but uh, there's been a murder here. <laughs> You're killing a Columbo impression. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! So and that that and that by the way was the moment that I you know my my sort of I realized my voice had finally broken, and I realized I could really do impressions and and voices and uh, and and the girls of course laughed and, and I went this is my way in you know to yeah. social social acceptance you know mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, so there you go that that was the, so I still am in touch with Mr. Fraser. I can't call any of these people anything but but Mister and Mister Jones. Oh yeah, uh, from Mister Jones from uh, from high school music teacher. His daughter Halia is on the show Stranger Things, not Stranger Things. Scratch that. Lock okay. and key. Lock oh. and key. Also a Netflix show. Who's she on Lock yeah, and she, Key? I like that. She's show. she yeah. plays the she plays. Oh goodness, I can't remember her character name, but she's the little vixen. She's the little oh little, little, oh little nice. Angel. She's great. Yeah. So she's oh, the daughter of my music teacher from high school. We just did a, we just wow. did a comic con together, and it was like full circle. You know, here here wow. she is, her first comic con, and you know, and and we're like, wow, you know, look how that's this crazy. Out. Yeah, that's really cool. 
Do you, do yeah. you have it? Cause there's no like, cause now with social media, you can kind of figure out and plan your career. If you got a skill and a talent like this, you're like, okay, I got to go to this school. I got to go to this thing. What was your, do you remember like a moment where you were like, okay, there's my in, I'm going to do this gig. And then from then on in, I got the steps. I totally, I, I, I seated my pants completely. Wow. There was no, there was no roadmap. No, no, you know, as you say, social media wasn't around. I just showed up for everything. You know, I, I, did I did study acting with uh, Joan Darling here in town, um, and um, you know did stand up for a lot of years at the comedy store, mm. and uh, took any took any job. And I mean I couldn't even break into voiceovers initially. I was told it was a closed door, um, wow. and I tried to sign actually with Rob's agent and um, oh, wow. the guy who was then running the agency said, "No, nah, forget it. It's just not." And this is like 1981. Mm. Um, but by 1985, I was a working voiceover actor, and like I said, uh, comedy was really where my my uh, stand-up comedy was where my my heart was, and the thing I really you know, was buttering my bread with. I was touring with Rodney Dangerfield, actually. So, oh, um, nice, the best. It was a nice, it was a nice gig. It was a great wow. gig, actually. He was he was very generous to young comedians and uh, put me on the Young Comedian Special in 1985. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was uh, it was uh, a great a great thing, so that I wasn't desperate because I auditioned for a year before I got my first animation job, and that was Inspector Gadget, uh, where I played the chief. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, this whole new world opened up, where a world of sitting. <laughs> I, just, I was like, wait, 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 wait. You mean I sit in a chair and I just read the lines into a microphone? You pay me to listen to Don Adams hold forth on the making of Get Smart every every week, and a check shows up, and and that's it. And then I can go back to doing stand up at nights, and then one day a week, <laughs> and I get enough money to like you know not only pay my rack and live for a year on this money, so that I can do the stand up for love and. Oh my God, this is fantastic. And no hair light and makeup, no wow. key light, no, wow. no mark I have to hit. That's amazing. And Frank Welker, who's the king of, of this thing, oh. as we call, we call voiceover, was sitting next to me and he basically gave me a, you know, a, a crash course in, a, you know, crash course masterclass in technique because there is technique you have to follow. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you have to, you have to be able to, you know, exude energy while sitting down. Right. And he showed me, you know, this is what he does just by doing, you know, but like, it sounds stupid, but don't ever let your elbows touch your sides, but you can emote like this and wear <laughs> soft clothing so that boom, oh my God. But if you do that, it comes out on these super sensitive microphones. Wow. So you can't rub. And he showed me how to, you know, how to turn pages and how to just go from one character to another by physicalizing in a quiet way. And he, there was, you know, Frank was playing four characters on the show. Mm -hmm. And so to watch him transition, I learned how to transition. So that when I, by the time I got to be on The Critic uh, with John Lovitz in 1993. <laughs> the great cartoon. Um, yeah. It really was, wasn't it? Oh, it was. so uh, brilliant. Of all the time. things I've done, I, I just sort of go, why isn't that being rebooted? Why can't right? get that shit back? Absolutely. I, I, I got I got the chance to play 30 characters in one episode. Wow. And the episode's called LAJ. And I I it was it was an amazing thing to be able to knock out all those characters 
in one episode. I broke Harry Shearer's record. Harry played, I think, 22 characters in The Simpsons up to that point. Oh, my God. And Yeah, and they were in there. They were in the season six. And, um, you know, the, the show was so funny. In fact, there's an account uh, on, on Instagram. Follow two accounts. One is, one is uh, Maurice underscore LaMarche. Get it. And uh, yes, <laughs> L-A-M-A-R-C-H-E. Yeah, Although yeah. I don't know why you would, because I, I think I post about once in three months. And then I'm just like, <laughs> I don't find myself going, oh, my gosh, I looked good at that moment. You know, I just, I'm just not paying that much attention to myself. And for for a performer, I guess I'm, I'm you know, relatively self-effacing, although I have an ego the size of, well, certainly this office. Um <laughs> Pinky and the brain, yes. Pinky and oh look, an Emmy nomination. Anyway, um, <laughs> but I, uh, you know, I, I just I I I, uh, I I I love this account called the Critic Clips, all one word: T H E C R I T I C C L I P S. The Critic Clips, and they post one one minute clips from the critic. And I'm telling you, there's at least a bell at least three belly laughs in each clip i mean if you want to give yourself you know a, a little instant laughter follow yeah. that account it's brilliant it's brilliant Absolutely and will. it makes you go why isn't this show on the air anymore mike right. reese and al gene were and jim brooks geniuses that created the show and you know a lot of the the simpson staff wrote it it's so yeah. funny Love the crossover story. episode of the critic and the sim is probably one of my all-time favorites it's a good Simpsons episode, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a great Simpsons episode. I mean, episode. it's not just a great critic episode. It's a great Simpsons episode. I had the distinct pleasure of playing uh, Eudora Welty uh, Belching and Jay Sherman Belching. I actually subbed for John to just stunch Belch. And at the end, I get to play George C. Scott getting hit in the groin with a football. <laughs> My groin! You know, all those hours and hours of watching Patton. Payback. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Oh my and speaking God. of The Simpsons, and you toured with Rodney, you were Rodney on The Simpsons, right? I did do an episode. Well, Rodney had passed, so yes, I had. To, yeah. I did some some play Rodney uh, on The Simpsons. It's been my honor. I've also played Orson Welles a dozen times uh, yeah. on The Simpsons. But I play. I see. I don't know where they get the idea. I do a good Orson Welles, but I seem to get you know, asked to do Orson Welles a fair bit. Right. Um, so I. I um, I even played Orson Welles in, uh, but I played it and didn't play it. I, I know that there was some kind of AI kind of weaving of my voice and um, the young man who played Orson Welles in Mank. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, Mank was great. Yeah. So I can hear certain words where it's me and certain words where it's him. I didn't coach him, but I recorded all the dialogue from Mank in one day with Fincher uh, in a recording studio. And uh, and then he said, I'm, I can't give you credit, but you know, trust me, you're, you're, you've been an invaluable help and you know, we'll, and they paid me quite well to not take credit. Um, and so I've been, I've been woven through there and every now and again, well, you know, I watched the Don, that was me. And then it's not me all in the same sentence. Interesting. Wow. So, which also happened on Ed Wood. I, I heard you guys talking about uncredited performances. I'm uncredited uh, 
you know, for the film, you, of course, in the IMDb, uh, it came out that I was the voice of Orson Welles over Vincent D'Onofrio's brilliant on-camera performance. I mean, he mm -hmm. had everything yeah. about Wells down, the physicality yeah. of Wells, the way he pursed his lips before he, you know, he, he smoked a cigar. Uh, you know, the whole, you know, head bob thing. And Vincent just embodied Wells, but he, he didn't quite have the voice. And Tim Burton, being an animator uh, and cartoon aficionado, said, get me the guy who does the brain. And so I thought San wow. Francisco did that. And my agent said, listen, we'll take a pay cut if you'll just give him credit. And they said, take the money. <laughs> we are not taking credit away from Vincent D'Onofrio. Wow. So wow. I, I did not, uh, I did not uh, get credit for that. And it, the truth, the truth will out anyway. I, you know, it's, it's there and people know that it's a composite performance. And even Vincent and I have kind of become friendly and, and, uh, and uh, you know, he, he says, you know, we are Orson Welles. And I, oh. I'm honored to be, on the, on the Vincent D'Onofrio train with that one because I think he's a genius. Very cool. Yeah. How often do you think that, I mean, you would know this, but the dubbing, how often does that happen? Because I see it in films and in all that other stuff going down where like, you know, the actor can't do a role or, or they can't be in this thing. So like, I know Robert Downey sometimes, I think for a couple of the Avengers stuff, if he couldn't make it back to edit things, like somebody would have to come in and dub the voice. I don't know how true that is, but does that happen a lot in big films and stuff? You know, I I don't know. I I know that uh, I don't quite know what happened with with uh, with Mark Hamill and young Luke Skywalker in oh, yeah. Mandalorian. I know that he was I know that he was there and he did do some voiceover work for it, but then they treated it to make it sound like young Luke. And I know mm -hmm. that that James Earl Jones is retiring from being Darth Vader because, you know, now, now the AI can pretty much, you know, ape that voice. They do need an actor still to right. lay down the groundwork, but th then they can James Earl Jones it up with the AI. It's like, it's literally the computer becomes an impressionist, you know, wow. and, and wow. yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy, but they still need to pay an actor somewhere. So sure. the computer doesn't have timing and, you know, and cannot true. emote. So yeah. I want to go back to the comedy store real quick. Did you have a crew back then when you were doing stand up? I know you went on the road with Rodney, but like who was your core group that you hung out with? Uh well, um uh Howie, of course. And mm -hmm. I, in fact, I probably owe my career to Howie Mandel because he oh. he moved down here a year before I did. He moved down in 79. Mm -hmm. And you know, we were on the phone nearly every week with him saying, "Mo, you got to come down. Got this is this is where it is." And I would be like, I, I feel like I should go to New York, Howie. I, I just, I think that, you know, no, skip New York, New York. Everybody from New York's coming here. You're ready. You're ready. So um, I, you know, in June of 1980, you know, I made a little exploratory trip in, uh, in, in May, put down money on an apartment and, um, and uh, moved down in June. And wow. I've been here ever since June of 1980. Oh my God. Um, yeah. But I mean, I don't know if I would have done it if Howie hadn't twisted my arm. So hmm. I, uh, once again, how I owe you, pal. Beautiful, man. Uh, were your parents okay with like, how were they about you going into show business? Did they want you to do other things? Were they supportive? My mother was, had more trepidation than my father. My father was, my father was an optimist. Hmm. Um, my father believed that anybody could do anything they put their minds to. 
And uh, so he was very supportive. Of, you know, he'd get me humor books, joke books, <laughs> that type of thing. He was very proud that I went down this path and was from the beginning. Um, my mom was a little more scared for her, her little boy um, and, and didn't know why I needed to move so far away. But, you know, she, she, she got to see me have a little bit of success. Um, she died in 1992. Dad, dad died in 87. And uh, he too, you know, he'd see me, he'd, he'd, after he passed, all his friends said, you know, if we went over, he, you know, it was just, you knew that the videotapes were going to come out. He put in my <laughs> Griffin shows and my, you know, and everything that the Young Comedian special, uh, all of that. He had a, he had a whole Maurice LaMarche library. That, you know, you knew you were going to, yeah. if you were a friend of Guy LaMarche's, you were going to be treated to a Maurice LaMarche film festival. Um, uh, so he... I had I had a lot of support from both parents, um, and I and I, my my ability to do voices. My mother was a brilliant mimic, and she she could do. I mean, she would do all of her friends. She would. She told the story about her friends. She was. Uh, you know, you knew who was talking in the story of these four women around a table because she did them all perfectly. Wow. So my ear and my facility with voices I get from my mother. My father had a very dry and sarcastic sense of humor. So anytime I, you know, arch an eyebrow or go, yeah, okay, you know, that's my dad. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I get, I get a, a lot of my humor from, from, uh, calls from watching their rhythms and nice. their, their abilities. Do you, do you miss doing stand up at all? Only every day. <laughs> every single fucking day of my life i key i have dreams of going back to stand up but i get up there in the dream and i realize that oh my gosh i still have reagan jokes what the <laughs> hell am i supposed to talk about i you know i keep threatening to try and just throw together a five minute you oh, know man, you gotta everybody's yeah. going back yeah i know i know i was actually i actually was on a little tweet uh you know dm with uh Mark Breslin, who opened oh. uh, opened up Canadian comedy, basically started, yeah, yeah. started started uh, opened Yuck Yucks, and I did I did the opening night of Yuck Yucks. Actually, I was like, no way. Yeah. Canadian comedy was like the night the night wow. Yuck Yucks opened, and uh, got a nice review too. I've got a lot of good pats on the back. Uh, it didn't have a lot of those terrible, terrible experiences where oh, I'm never coming back here again or anything like that. I, I Right. It's always very positive, but as an impressionist, you have that. It's a, it's an added trick. It's, 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 you know, if you're not funny, at least the voice worked. And in some ways, I felt as a stand-up that was my weakness because I didn't have to work as hard on, on the material, on the funny. Mm. Um, but uh, I got into a little bit of a tweet uh, thing with him, and he he said, you know, come back, come back. Why don't you come back to Toronto and start out here? In other words, like get back up on stage at at Yuck Yucks and yeah. make that yeah. your, your return, you know. And uh, you know, of course, I've written exactly no words <laughs> of, <laughs> of the new act. <laughs> Not quite sure, you know, because I I can't have it be like these little sketches of your favorite, you know, yeah. celebrities as waiters. You know, that's been done. Right. Um, <laughs> been uh, good evening and. Uh, I'm Johnny Carson. I'm your waiter, and uh, <laughs> welcome to Chez Tourmaine, where the specialty of the house is smoked salmonella. Ah, 
you know, I'm, <laughs> nobody knows Johnny Carson anymore. I'm amazed you guys are laughing. That's you know what funny. you could do? You could do text celebrity text conversations and that they don't know oh. how to use them anymore. Ooh. I like right, this. that'd be kind yeah. of a weird thing. That like just the same way our parents don't know how to text each other. You know, they're saying, "I think I accidentally sent you a GIF." It's a you know, and then you do that kind of shit. Wait, wait, is GIF not proper? Is it a GIF? It's a I say GIF, but I think well, I don't. I, I say I think I I yeah, like gosh. GIF, but I was choosing choosing mothers choose <laughs> GIF. So you're a choosy mother, John. Here's the thing. I, I've gotten. They say this cat John is a choosy mother. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I've, the only reason why is like I had a re. I think, okay, personally, I think it's GIF because it makes more sense. Okay. But I've gotten okay. scolded by like every, like it's, it's, they're like, no, 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 it's GIF because I like GIF, but I'm like trying to say the correct word now. I don't know what it is, man, honestly. I think it's GIF. I think so. as long as you put gut. as long as you put the definite article in front of any computer word, you immediately you know call out your uh, lame dad cred. <laughs> so if I say I'm going to go on the YouTube or uh, yeah, you know, I was on the Facebook the other day, right? And uh, now I'm going to watch the Netflix or the Hulu. <laughs> you know, it's like you're almost drawing an ironic uh, you know spotlight on yourself. Going, see, I know I'm out of touch because. I'm saying the the thing before the everything. Um, but yeah, it's actually a funny idea. Oh, good. I'm let glad. Me, I, let me explore that. Oh, please. And let me know when you actually go to, I'll, I don't care if it's in Canada, in space, I'll come and see it. <laughs> well, I want to see it. Space. The final frontier. <laughs> These are the comedy voyages of Maurice LaMarche, who was doing his act <laughs> in zero gravity. <laughs> He just made a doodle in his pants and does that. It'd be great if you were just floating by in like a, a green screen type of thing advertising your show. <laughs> ah. <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, man. Um, I want to ask you a couple more things about this. Between the stand-up and the, and the voice actor thing, was there a point where you decided to just stop doing the stand-up and do it? Like, was it that the voice acting got so, um, you know, the career just became more and more and more with more voices and you're like, okay, no more comedy? Or was it a hard decision to make? It wasn't so much a decision as, as uh, well, it was a decision because it's always a decision. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, now, now, now here we go. It's going to be um, morbid, the podcaster again. <laughs> when my dad died, it was a particularly horrible thing for me. Um, he was murdered. Oh, uh, and God, yeah, and, and that, it really spun me out. And, uh, and I, I, I became, I became uh, a drug addict and an alcoholic. I'm not saying that it happened because my father was was uh, murdered, but my reaction to it was to drink and use more until I crossed whatever that magical line was where I didn't know how to not drink or use on a daily basis. Right. Uh, but I also knew that, you know, the, the knowledge that the one thing I'd done that he was really proud of me for, because I was, I was kind of an embarrassment to him as a kid because I wasn't at all athletic. The opposite of my brother Paul, who you know just could you know catch a catch a baseball in his sleep at 105 miles an hour. Wow! I mean, my brother was a natural athlete, and um, and my dad was. My dad was uh, my dad was actually uh, scouted uh, for the NHL, and the only thing that got, you know his best friend Al Arbor was drafted, and who went on to coach the New York uh, Islanders, and uh, and my dad was five foot six, too short. 
but I mean, uh, my dad was yeah. lightning on the ice, lightning. It was, it was, it was like thrilling for me as li little Mo to watch <laughs> dad just zipping in and out of people. Wow. So um, he was my hero in so many ways and uh, losing him and knowing he'd never been in the audience again was, was one of those things that I just thought, I just don't want to do stand up. I, I can't make people laugh. Oh, wow, horrible, horrible thing. This, 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 uh, you know, this, I mean, murder is the worst thing you can do to another person. And, yeah. you know, um, so funny. I was saying to uh, a dear friend of mine, I went to Kenny Loggins at uh, Hollywood Bowl. I am going somewhere with this. Uh, he was at Hollywood <laughs> oh, Bowl no. just this past Saturday night. And the last thing I did the day before my dad died, I was going to go up to Toronto. And my manager called. His regular opening act had fallen out. And did I want to go up to Tahoe and open for Kenny Loggins for three days? So I canceled the trip home, opened for Kenny Loggins for three days, and uh, uh, had a wonderful time, great show. Kenny Loggins couldn't have been nicer to me. We had a lovely chat on my last night. And and seeing Kenny Loggins, even just from the audience, I, I, I kind of flashed back to that. I was like, that was the last normal day. Wow. March 8th, 1987 was the last normal day that I believed I lived in an essentially good world. And, wow. you know, when somebody murders your dad, you stop believing you live in an essentially good world. And, and uh, you know, alcoholism, drug addiction, depression, these were all things that I just couldn't drag myself back up on stage. And, and so luckily I, I could still pull off the voiceover thing, you know, hmm. and, which is, you know, a shame I didn't go after on camera because the cocaine helped me lose so much weight. I was actually leading man weight. I, I looked great. I had a jawline for the first time in my life. You know, I was like, it's the same. I wouldn't leave the closet except to go do voiceover work. Right. So, you know, um, it was, uh, it, yeah, it was, it was not, uh, so, so it wasn't so much a decision as a, as, as a compulsion or a, uh, a giving up stopping betting on myself in that way did you put so, it on yourself a little bit because you were awake because you were going to be home did you feel like it would yeah no i absolutely did i thought you know what you're you're i i i beat myself up i said your addiction to work your addiction to fame uh accolades all that prevented you from 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 going to see your dad one last time and yeah. i don't know what in my mind thought made me think that you know if i'd been there something might have been different um but you know i also had that thought which was a tough thought yeah. to have yeah you know and you take things on and you and you and you let things go i mean that's half the point of therapy is learning to let you know the harmful shit the unhelpful shit that you tell yourself about yourself go totally so yeah, yeah. so anyway point. it's it's worked out as it's worked out hasn't mm -hmm. been you know hasn't it hasn't been awful i didn't i didn't end up under a uh, you know, a, a freeway overpass, and I've had a very nice career still making people laugh. Just I just do it more anonymously than I might have if I had done stand up. <laughs> yeah, and there's no guarantee if I'd have kept on doing stand up that I would have gotten a you know a, a sitcom or anything like that. Sure. I, I might just be a touring comic to this day, but I do miss the immediacy of being on stage and you know saying something and the audience going, <sighs> yeah. yeah, and knowing that that, that happened because I hit the joke just right you know? yeah everything before and after that sucks but though that hour on stage on is stage like, oh, beautiful that's why you do it yeah um, i miss that
do you feel like um because i you said someone anonymously but there's like a um I don't know if it's, I think it's because of social media and the internet and stuff like that. There's like a surge for like people who do voices. Like everybody wants to find out who does their favorite character. Like there's this, mm -hmm. you know, um, do you, do you like that kind of attention? Did you have to get used to that kind of attention after being like, you know, the behind the scenes guy? Cause you're not anymore. Really? Like, no, I mean, I'm, you do. yeah. Thanks to the internet, my pictures out there, people, you know, there's YouTube videos. And I would say it's not as often as if I, you know, had had an on-camera show or something like that. But I say about once a month, somebody comes up to me, you know, he just on the streets here in L.A. says, "Are you are you Maurice Lamarche?" And I'm, I, you know, I think I think I am. I <laughs> feel like I am. Therefore, it must be true. No, I mean, and it's like I, I just I'm flattered always, and and uh, you know, I, I'm always glad to. You know, pose for a picture, sign something, do mm. a voice. You know, it's just, it's just, I'm happy to do any of that because that's what I originally craved when I was doing stand up and, and going after an on camera career. So yeah. it's nice, it's gratifying, you know. Yeah. And then I go back to my anonymity. Do you like those moments? Because I know that I don't know if it's few and far between because I don't know the voiceover world that well, but um, do you prefer to do it alone, sitting down, doing the voices, or do you like it better when you're in a room with other people doing it? Much better. And so the pandemic has sort of killed that, unfortunately. Right. Um, we're recording Futurama now, and we're just now getting to the point where we can have um, two of us in a room together, as long as we both test that morning oh. and are test negative. Uh, so Billy West and I did our first episode of Futurama last last uh, week. It was he and I. And then John DiMaggio was behind behind a glass, in a, behind a sliding door in a in, that we could see him, and we could hear mm -hmm. him on our headphones. But he couldn't be in the same room with us, uh, so he was he was there doing you know as, as Bender, and then Dave Herman was in another you know sliding glass door behind. So you know we were, it was uh, and Lauren Tom. So we had mm. we had uh, five of us. So we had five out of eight, and Lauren actually posted it on her social media. Phil Lamar was from his house, but he didn't live too far, <laughs> so he came over for lunch. <laughs> sort of weird, but the, but the SAG rules say only two performers in a recording studio at once. And so I missed that. We used to do it in, you know, like a semicircle, like a horseshoe pattern. Yeah. It would be the eight of us. And we would just, it would just be like oh, a radio nice. play and get in the immediacy of, of, uh, you know, of, of, of a real performance. So have you guys uh, ever tried to do each other's voices? Yes. Oh, that's great. Yes, in, fa in fact, uh, we all do Zoidberg. Oh, you Everybody, do? Even even Katie does Zoidberg. Yeah. Oh, oh what's wrong with Zoidberg? <laughs> oh, why does everyone hear? Good news, everyone. You know, and we've all got a, we've all got a Farnsworth, and we've all got a Zoidberg. We all try and do Billy's voices. Although, um, mm. although uh, John does a fairly good uh, Morbo, he's got the pipes to do Morbo and Lur. Oh and yeah. Latinus Blob, all my deep voice characters. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I can't touch any of Dave's characters. Dave Herman, his voice vibrates at a specific frequency that is that, that's right where funny is. Mm. But I mean, Roberto, you know, his insane robot, the, the, the you know the stabby robot. Yeah, I can't I can't make that sound come out of me. I mean, he's everything he does has got, got a lot of tension to it, though, you know. And uh, <laughs> so you know, but he's brilliant. Um, so you know, it's and and 
Yeah, we we all do. We we can also all try take a take an attempt at doing Phil Lemar. Oh but, yeah. <laughs> you know, nobody's better than the original. And, right. Uh, but we have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun on the show. That's awesome. Was because you um did you get to meet your hero? Like who was your heroes like coming up? Like and vo voice was everybody loves Mel Blank. I mean that's like you know yeah, I, I never got to meet Mel. I missed him by ten minutes. Oh. I missed Orson Welles also by ten minutes. I walked wow. in this studio, smelled a cigar, and was, yeah, Orson was just here. Oh. Um, that was at Buzzy's Studios, and then I uh, missed Mel by ten minutes. Uh, he was he had just done a Heathcliff, and I was coming in to. Um, B&B uh, &B sound in, uh, in North Hollywood. And uh, yeah, again, and it was because I could smell cigarette. You know, it's all that. It's always, it's about the schnoz. Yeah. <laughs> I could be a voiceover detective. I can tell who's been in here by the Um That's another part of the uh, act right there. Voiceover see, detective. That's, that's, it's not true. Everybody can tell when I've been there by my farts, but <laughs> so, so I'm a dad. So the fart humor. Um, so I never, I didn't get to meet either Orson or, or Mel. Um, my comedy hero is John Cleese. And I had oh. the chance to meet him, him and Eric Idle. I've, I've actually oh. met Eric many times. Uh, one of my dear friends and totally unrelated to, you know, uh, any kind of work thing. Although I did eventually do some work on, on his, uh, he had, he, uh, got into the video game business and early on interactive game business, uh, mm -hmm. Bob Ezrin, super, super producer, Bob Ezrin. Uh, we just, our tables were near each other in a restaurant. The blue Jays were in the world series and we just started talking cause he knew I was from Toronto because he'd seen the young comedians. And so, uh, we've been friends ever since, you know, ever since 1985. And um, so I'd met Eric at Bob's house because uh, I was I did work on the Monty Python game, Monty Python's complete waste of time by seventh level. And um, <laughs> so Eric, I met and uh, lovely man. We've had some conversations. Plus, he played Pinky's parents, both his parents oh. on Pinky and the Brain. But please, I'm so intimidated by and I went with uh, Liam McIntyre had done a film with him and I had an extra ticket. Uh, my wife didn't want to go, so I called Liam, who's a dear friend. He's the second Spartacus from the TV series Spartacus, and just a lovely Australian uh, gentleman. And so he brought me, and he'd just done a film with Cleese, so he got us backstage. And nice. they're having a lovely chat. About, How are you? How have you been? Are you keeping yourself well? How's your child? You know, mm -hmm. like like two old friends. And then he, uh, Liam goes, this is my friend, Maurice Lamarche. He brought me tonight. How do you do? And I Mr. Cleese, I, I just, huh. <laughs> you mean everything to me. I st studied Python, uh, argument sketch, first thing I remember. I, <laughs> he's like shaking my hand going, please look at my hand. Thank you so much. Yes. Well, lovely to meet you. Yes, thank you so much. Oh, my God. Person. You know, that was the end of my <laughs> brush with Cleese. And he's going to be at Rhode Island Comic Con, actually. And Rob said, hey, we're going to meet John Cleese. And I said, no, you're going to meet John Cleese because I know I I don't have the ability to compose myself. I will, I will lose my shit again. Oh, my God. Sidebar. Now we yeah. definitely have to do Rhode Island Comic Con because yeah. we were blessed. We got to hang out with Mr. John Cleese 
when he was in uh, Red Bank for a theater because his daughter is good friends with John. They had a show together, so we all went for drinks afterwards. And I mm. feel like this would be the most fun, right? Yeah. Oh my God, that would be amazing. At a table. I'll call Camilla and, and we'll we'll make a thing out of it. That'll be a great. Oh my god! She oh. and I she and I started doing stand up. Well, she I I've done doing stand up before, but I met her when I lived in L.A. and um we just happened to be on the same show in Burbank at Flappers, and we were sitting in the ah, back yeah. of the room. Yeah, and we just kind of bond. You know, we bonded the way comedians bond. We were sitting in the back sure. of the room and going, "Uh, this guy fucking sucks. That guy's got no ass." <laughs> <laughs> we're just doing that thing and then you know and then we just wound up staying in touch and literally every time i'm in la i just crash at her place um and i've gotten to hang out with john a couple times and the first time though this is hilarious and I've, i actually just found the screenshot because i wanted to save it she texts me out of the blue and she goes hey listen i'm gonna be in you know in brooklyn i'm coming to new york um you know what, what are you doing on the whatever day and i go oh nothing I'm not doing anything that day. You know, I'm mean, we should hang out. She goes, yeah. She goes, well, I don't know if you'd want to or how big a fan you are of my dad's, but you can come hang backstage and meet him. And I was like, how big a fan I am of your dad? I'm like, what? <laughs> Who starts a text like that? Like, way to bury the lead. I'm like, yes, I would love to. Like, God, like, could you imagine if I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> what does your dad do? <laughs> I would be a fan of him. Do you have a jelly in Brooklyn or something? Or? Well? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know your dad yeah. that well. Yeah. Oh, hilarious. But yeah, no, now we got to do it. Yeah, no, Comic Con's in. We're that in would be Rhode amazing. Rhode and then we'll and then we'll all get together and go out for drinks. Or not drinks. Yeah. Sorry. No. And, uh, uh, <laughs> and you'll see. Well, yeah, I drink Perrier. I drink all I drink right, all right, good, Bloody good. Mary Mix. I, I'll do that. Yeah. But here's what you'll see. You'll see me just... <laughs> <laughs> I won't say a fucking word all night because I I'll just know foot will go in mouth and then come out to make room for other foot. <laughs> and that'll be me and John Cleese. So you know, we'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a good way to it. So the last time we were all together, we were out, we were, we were drinking after the show, uh, street jokes. I just started out of the blue telling my fit. Cause I love animal street jokes, like mm -hmm. any kind of personification of an animal. I will yeah. I'll just die laughing. And I just, rapid i was just rolling them out and he was having a blast so br i'll brush up on your street jokes you'll be golden <laughs> well here here here's where i show my lame dadness i don't even know what a street joke is oh oh a street oh. joke is just uh it's like a, a um you know like an old school joke like a guy walks into a bar and he sees a um oh, oh you know, okay all right yeah okay. yeah i didn't that know thing, that was yeah. called a street joke i, I, I know what that joke. kind of joke is yeah 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 well, ray romano Ray Romano has a great street joke, probably the, and he, he, he prefaces by going, this is the best joke there ever was. It's the most <laughs> perfect joke, and there's no way to tell it badly, and it's just the perfect joke. Perfect economy, everything. What's the worst thing you can hear while blowing Willie Nelson? What? I'm not Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's great. Because there's no way, even if even if you're a guy, you know, there's nobody who can't imagine themselves somehow being desperate enough to blow Willie Nelson, and then you know it's true. <laughs> so yeah, that kind of street joke. It's a it's a foolproof joke. I've never not made somebody laugh. One of the animal jokes I love, I got to tell you, uh, this guy walks into a bar, 
and he sees a horse behind the bar just cleaning the glass. And the guy's fixated. He can't stop staring at the horse. And the horse is looking back at him, and he's getting kind of pissed. And he goes, buddy, what's your problem? You ever see a horse 10 bar before? He goes, no, it's not that. I just never thought the cow would sell the place. It's one of my, it's a dumb, <laughs> it's a It's a genuinely stupid animal joke. Yeah, And yeah. I love it. I thought you were going to do the penguin one. I like the penguin Oh, the penguin one's cute. Penguin one takes well, a Let's hear the penguin one. Maybe I can okay. spread uh, penguin one, please. Yeah. There's two penguin jokes. I love penguins. But one of the penguin jokes is penguins driving around in his car. And his car starts to make this horrible. No. And he's like, oh, God, what is that? So he, he pulls it into this little body shop or whatever. And the guy's like, listen, go take a walk in town for like an hour. Come back. I'll let you know what's wrong with the car. And he's like, all right. So Penguin goes and takes a walk and he finds an ice cream parlor and he hasn't been to an ice cream parlor in years. So he goes inside. He's all excited. He orders himself and the biggest ice cream sundae you've ever seen. He's so happy. He doesn't even use a spoon. He just shoves his face in it, gobbles the whole thing up, looks at the time, time to go back. He walks back to the body shop and the guy goes, looks like you blew a seal. He goes, no, it's just vanilla. <laughs> I enjoyed that one. It's a it's these are the jokes. They're dumb animal jokes. It's a good one. I like it. <laughs> Can I tell you what I like about that joke? Is that he hadn't the penguin had not been to an ice cream parlor in years. In years. <laughs> and that My joke favorite. wouldn't work with any other animal. Except... <laughs> right. And you buy it. You're like, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, suspension good. of disbelief. Talking penguin driving has his license, <laughs> has the money for car repair, all that, all of that is willing suspension of disbelief. Really. <laughs> I think dissecting jokes like that afterward is also probably my favorite thing ever. It's just the animal, just, just the yeah. whole disbelief. Oh, I love it. That's one of the. Do you you know the snail joke, right? Do you know? Do you know the snail joke? I'm so sorry. I'll I'll cut all no, this no, from your episode if you want. No, 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 no. I, okay. My audience needs to hear these jokes. <laughs> all five of them. No. Please, please hear the snail joke. Oh God! So the snail joke is: this guy gets home from a long, long day of work. He's exhausted. He lights a fire, pours himself a glass of wine, sits down in his favorite chair, starts to read a book, and all of a sudden he just hears it's a knock at the door. He goes to the door. He opens the door. He doesn't look around. He doesn't see anybody. And he goes, here's, hey, down here. And he looks down and it's a snail. And he goes, can I interest you in a magazine subscription? The guy's like, what the? Picks the snail up, throws him as hard as he can into the woods, goes back down, sits back down, goes to read, drinks his wine. Ten years later, same thing. He's sitting down. Here's a knock at the door. He opens the door and it's a snail. And the snail goes, what the fuck was that about? <laughs> I, I do know that joke. And the way I heard it was a simple no would have sufficed. Oh. But yeah. <laughs> that's, even, that's even better. Oh, that's great. A simple no. Oh, God. I just love the idea of a snail 10 years like this mother. When, yeah. when I what get the to fuck him, was that about? <laughs> Just, I love yeah. it. Oh my god! Oh, that's my that's one of my. I had favorites. to time my set because I I didn't know what, if the punchline was going to come <laughs> while I was sipping. I do enjoy a good spit take, but not all over a newish 
PowerBook Pro. So uh, totally. Pro. Oh, definitely not. I respect and it. being part being part Lebanese. I do do a spin take, you know, because <laughs> Danny Thomas, the best, legendary, the leg- the legendary spin take, and uh, yeah, that, that, yeah, that that lineage flows through my veins. So. Oh man, that's great. I'm sure, somewhere back we've got Bedouins in common. Do you, I got to ask you about Rodney real quick. Cause he's one of my favorite okay. guys. Um, he's, he's somebody that I, I have a few comedians that have passed on that I really wish I could have met. You know, I mean, I was, right. I was never going to happen. I haven't, wasn't even doing stand up when he was, when he passed, but, um, w- but he was genuinely generous to comedians, young comics, right? It's what I've yes. always heard. Is it, yes. was it, what was it like? Was it like that touring with him too? Was he friendly? Did he want to be, have a camaraderie kind of thing with you? Like, Rodney kept to to a degree. He kept his distance, or at least I was advised to keep a respectful distance. Like mm. his his road manager, uh, a guy named Fitz, said, "Don't try and become his best friend." Every comedian tries to become his best friend. You know, he 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 likes you. He thinks you're great, but you know, don't don't go in the dressing room. Don't don't try and you know uh, buddy up to him uh he let him come to you and uh so you know he would invite me in and we'd have a little chattery you know he'd say what'd you think of the show tonight you know (laughs) when my mother came to see the show in in uh, las vegas uh very you know he had a nice spread out in the thing and and you know out out in his dressing room and you know he had her come into the he rodney had a, a superpower his superpower was that his body was a terry cloth repellent field. So if he was wearing a robe, which was his natural state of dress after a show, it, there's no way it could stay done up. It would just come. <laughs> I don't know how. Because he would tie the thing tightly and just. You know, and and he's sitting there and he's got the glass dining room table. And he's even chopping up a little blow on the dining room table. And my mother is across from him. And the blow doesn't phase her for some reason, I guess, because, you know, in her younger days, she she was friends with a lot of musicians. She actually knew Oscar Peterson. And uh, wow. you know, so the blow didn't throw her. But the fact that the, the robe was coming open, I watched my mother doing this. And I was like, <laughs> oh. and he's going, no, but your kid here is a really great kid, you know, a very talented guy. I tell you, he's all right, you know. Doesn't do me very well, but, you know, he's a good kid. You did good raising him, Norma. You want a little Coke? Okay. You know, but <laughs> but he was, um, he was, his generosity was was genuine. And I we did one show in particular where my name wasn't on the marquee. It was Latham, New York. It was a theater in the round. And he started going off what, as the, as the, as the tour bus was pulling up, he said, what the fuck is this? Maurice's name ain't up there. All right, tell the manager I want to see him right now, you know? Wow. And I'm going, it's, it's okay, Ronnie. And he goes, no, man, your fucking job is hard enough, okay? All right? I've done tough clubs. I've done, they don't know you're there. They're going to give you a hard fucking time, you know? We're not there for you to have a hard time. I want you to warm them up for me, not fight for your life, okay? So I'm, I'm, you know, and I'm hearing him go off down the hall. I'm in my dressing room getting ready for the show. And and uh, and I'm hearing him go off down the hall, and then Fitz comes and gets me and goes, "Come here, I want to show you something." We go to the stage door, we open it up, and I look up, and there's a guy on a cherry picker, 
I mean, this, the marquee at the Latham, at the theater in Latham was like, it looked like a Jetsons building. It was like just this toothpick going up to the sky. And then, the, and he's up there on a cherry picker and, and, <laughs> you know, and he's putting my name up on the thing. Rodney just insisted he wasn't, he wasn't going to go on until I had billing. Wow. So, and when I play Vegas with him, I got 50% billing without asking for it. I mean, oh you God. fight for billing like that. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, very generous. And, and then capped it off by putting me on the young comedians, which was that's uh, incredible, was man. I mean, that was the, that was the episode that broke Kinison. Yep. Um, I mean, just nobody had heard of Sam Kinison, never done any television apart from a couple of videotaped sermons uh, from when he was a preacher and he just lit the place on fire. Wow. So, wow. you know, yeah. And, and, you know, you ask about posses. I was also in the Kinison posse once I crossed over the dark side. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we'd stand at the back. I'd stand there, back there with Robin. And we'd just oh, wow. at, at what Sam would do, the things he was completely unafraid to do. I'd get up. I had get up and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd do a 10 o'clock set. And I'd literally, I'd go home and take a nap and come back at 1.30 wow. to catch Sam doing his stuff and Robin Williams would be there every night and we just we loved him we loved him we couldn't believe what he was doing I mean now you know comedy got edgy uh, but I think it got edgy because of him and him and sure. I, you know and Bobcat as well and oh, yeah. uh, there was a little while there where they were feuding because I think they each you know felt like the other stole yelling yeah. um, <laughs> but you know it, it was uh a great time to be in comedy yeah it was great um when you were you brought up robin man he's one of my favorite like when i i feel like he was the gateway drug into comedy for me because when i was a kid right um you know aladdin fern gully um and then mork and mindy and then i was like what what why is this guy so funny whatever you know and i would look up who he was and they it always said any guy that i thought was funny on television at that point it was like, oh, they started in stand-up. And I'd be like, what the hell is stand-up? You know what I mean? What is that? But he was right. the first where I was right. like, what's a stand-up comic? And then kind of fell into it that way. But he was one of those unique guys where he could do voices really well and impressions. Mm -hmm. um, right. But he was the face. You know, he, he was an actor. He was a comedian. He was in the front. Did the, did the voiceover community kind of – because I know there's like – you know, now they do that thing where it's like a lot of celebrities do movies, you know what I mean? And they're just looking for the star power. They don't even have any real kind of talent to do a voiceover work. It's just them. But did you guys feel like Robin was that bridge across? You know, he could go back and forth and do like the movies and still do voices. Like, how was that yeah. relationship? Well, Robin could do the work. I mean, you know, Rob, Robin absolutely embodied characters. I mean, you can do voiceover. And, and I'm, I'm not one of these people who goes, get the celebrities out of voiceover. If you've got a SAG card, Mm -hmm. You you can do voiceover, you can do on camera, you know, do it all. Go yeah. wherever the work is. Uh, Robin was particularly brilliant at it, and uh, I thought Aladdin was a, was uh, an unbelievable star turn. Um, yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire, though, I thought he did a bit of a disservice to the animation community. I know why that scene existed to show that he was this he was this you know sort of this guy with so much talent who was just so kept down by his own, you know, ability to get in his own way. But right. we don't loop an entire cartoon, you know, five minutes worth of dialogue without, you know, without a break. And you go line by line until the lips match perfectly. You know, it's, it's, it's a completely different thing. Um, but, um, 
I thought uh, I thought I mean, he's one of the people that can absolutely do that. Mark Hamill, another, another mm. example of an actor from the on-camera world who does this work brilliantly. Right. I mean, his Joker is unbelievable, and yet, and uh, he also can play. Uh, we, we we have there's a little kids show that uh, we were on called uh, Transformers Rescue Bots. It was oh, yeah. strictly for you know the under eight crowd, and Mark played my character's brother, and mm -hmm. I'm the I'm the uh, patriarch. Uh, a patriarch of a family of uh, of rescue vehicles, you know, and they're all transformers that turn into rescue vehicles. Right. And uh, Mark plays my freewheeling brother, who's always exploring the Amazon. And you know, he was he was great in that too. As like a default default voice, Mark is great at that. If you can do this work and and create characters, more power to you. You know, that's great, man. So, that's a great you know, attitude to have about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing more to say on the subject. I know that, you know, there are people that, hey, don't they have enough money? But <laughs> it's not about money. Right. Certain point at which it's just, it's about you want to do good work and you want to, you know, you, you want to stretch and grow and animation. I mean, it's like being in rep theater. You know, if you if you're right. on a show like uh, the Futurama or the Critic, where, you know, you're playing six or seven or twenty characters in an episode. It's 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 freeing. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. These, and you guys have this way ability where, like, I you know, I don't ever want to see another character do your voice. Like, I like I see a character and I'm like, that's gonna be the voice that's in my head forever. Like, and I think that's that's just what keeps you guys like, you know, in legendary status to me. You know what I mean? Like, well, like that's very that's very kind. I mean, eventually, you know, even, even Mel passed away, and it took six or seven actors to do you know uh, any continuing warner brothers projects i mean right. they've, they've had five different bugs bunnies i i was yeah. i was yosemite sam pretty much from the first project after mel passed until a couple about I, now it's been about f five years i think um mm. wow. i had to walk away from it because it was killing my throat wow and i was not able to show up for um um I had a wonderful contract. I was the voice of Lexus from 2009 to 2017. And, um, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I'd come, I'd come in after doing a 70 Sam session and be like, uh, the 2016 Lexus GS, you know, I'd be, I'd be beat to crap. And even right. Mel would say that, you know, he'd only record Yosemite Sam on a Friday because he needed the weekend to recover. Oh, but, wow. um, you know, Warner Brothers in making the new the newest iteration of the Bugs Bunny cartoons, uh, they didn't have any flexibility of when they could record. So I said, "Well, I, I, I got step yeah. away because I had this, you know, I had this this really lucrative contract." Um, yeah. And uh, so uh, Fred Tattashore is doing the Yosemite Sam work now, right? Uh, and he's doing a great job too. But I loved I loved doing Yosemite Sam because he was. He was in so much trouble always. It was of his own making. To me, it was mm -hmm. just one of the greatest comedy notes to play, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and so you know, Ooh, I hates rats, but I also hates myself because I get myself in these scrapes. I've had some therapy, you know. Um, <laughs> so one day somebody else is going to have to do brain if they bring it back. I don't know. That's how true. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe I'm around another thirty years, God willing, but. You know, eventually somebody, you know, for the for the for the new 
for the new technology where they beam the cartoon directly into your brain. Um, there may be a young actor, probably Bowser. Bowser's probably you know learning my voice right now. Oh, <laughs> fucking Canadian! I read you loud and clear. Canadians coming down here and taking jobs away from other Canadians. Um, dude, I want to thank Bowser's you for coming amazing, on. Amazing, by the way. Oh, is he? Yeah, Eric Bowser. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's great. Truly. I've never met him. I've he's, never, I've never seen him before. Like, but yeah. I, but I know the voice work he does, and it's incredible. And he's nice. Oh, he's so nice. Like, yeah. like you know, what is he? What is he? Canadian or something? Like, <laughs> or something? We've had so many Canadians on this show. Honestly, it's I think true. I just might go yeah. do it over there. I like yeah. it a lot. Yeah, it's it's nice. Um, I got to ask you the last three questions we ask every guest on the show. But okay. I want to thank you so All much right. for spending uh, an hour and a half with us. It's been amazing. Man. Well, thank you. Has it, should I have brushed up on this? On no, no, no. no, no. No, we no, asked. My, my favorite swear word is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to James Lipton. Gary always. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, first question is a bit of a softball one, but if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self. What piece of advice would you give yourself that would help you today? When Kinnison draws you that line of cocaine, say no thanks. Wow. Yeah, Great. That, that, the, there was that, when we were doing you know, the Young Comedian special, Sam drew out two lines and we were running late and we were taping till two in the morning. And uh, it was like that, like that scene in Taxi where Reverend Jim's at Yale. You know, the flashback scene, and he's very prim and proper, and then he has the hash brownie, and he's like, oh, yeah. that's pretty good. And <laughs> that was what the first line of blow was like for me. It was like, the oh, world man. changed, you know. So uh, I might say that, or, I'm, or, or either that or Microsoft. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Any classic television reference? Love it. Taxi, mash, keep it, let's just, that was great. I know nobody knows tax anymore, but love that show. Um, oh, so good. You know what? One of my favorite, now that, now that I'm going on a tangent, but I'll tell you real quick. I can't find it. I don't know what season it's on and I don't know the name of it. And I'm, I, but I'm not making it up. Jim buys, a, he, he gets, he gets all this money. And buys I don't know. A bar. He, he no, buys he buys a, a bunch father? of TVs. Oh, okay. So, Do you remember that one right. when he's got all these TVs and they're like, Jim, you're wasting your money. What are you doing? Why are you buying these TVs? And at the end of the episode, they all come in and it Jim's just sitting down at one point and it's, he's got every channel tuned to something else going on in the world. Baseball, news, it, like foreign news, like whatever right. it is. And That's everybody- right. and they all start. Yeah, yeah. they all start kind of tuning. And yeah. then he winds up watching his friends, watching like everything that's going on in the world. And it's it's just like a beautiful scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the one I with the bar that was a great one too. The bar episode was good too, and of course yeah. the one where his father dies. Oh God! And oh, yeah, he puts he puts the giant jacket on the. Oh yes. On the easy chair, and, and uh, the, the chair Stevie over. Wonder song comes on. He he plays the cassette. Yeah, oh, the beautiful! Of my life. Yeah, oh, yeah. My nothing uh, right in the feels, man. Um, mm -hmm. sec second question is: What had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? Hmm. Drinking and using. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Alcohol, drugs had to stop because otherwise, steady downward, you know, uh, progression, I would not be where I am today. I, would, I don't think I'd even still be here. So, do you, yeah, do you remember what made you made the decision to stop? 
Uh, I made the decision many times, but decisions have to be followed by actions. You know, there's an old there's an old saw of three. Uh, it's an animal joke. Um, <laughs> if 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 three crows are sitting on standing on a wire and one of them decides to fly away, how many crows are on the wire? Three. The guy only made this. The one crow only made the decision. Oh man, that's yeah. a great. That's so great. I made, I made a ton of decisions. So I got to stop this. I got to stop this. Wow. And I don't know yeah. why on January twentieth, nineteen eighty nine, as as Reagan was getting on the plane, going, "Well, bye, everybody. It was nice playing the president in this movie <laughs> you're shooting." And George Bush is taking is is you know to taking the oath of office. I was able to stop and stay stopped that. Wow. And I don't know quite what it was. It was just a little voice in my in my head that went, it's over. Turn left. And that little voice was Alec Baldwin. It's <laughs> over. Turn left. I don't know why that. Every time I tell that story, <laughs> the voice in my head sounds like Alec Baldwin. I didn't even know Alec Baldwin back then. Oh, um, God. Yeah. Um, so that was what I had to stop. My life. Great, man. Uh, and the last question ties into the show it's a goofball question but if this is a genuine dystopia either collapse of the government or your your choice collapse of the government alien zombies comet headed toward the earth you wake up and it's everybody's last day what would be happening and what would be your epic death hmm. well what would be happening is i would i would i would have gathered my family around me you know, I know that's not an uncommon thing, but that's exactly that's when you realize, you know, those moments when you realize this. You know, and, and I'd probably gather my my family and 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 uh, and uh, put as many pictures around as possible of of, of my dad, my my mom, uh, and we just we just sit around and probably tell uh, tell alternate between jokes and you know telling each other we love each other over and over again. Beautiful. And then I'd step out and, and try and you know stop the asteroid like this just for a jump. <laughs> Don't worry, I got this. <laughs> oh, I love that man. If I jump up at just the right moment. <laughs> and that way everybody goes out laughing. Oh, that's great. Love it. Amazing, dude. This has been a blast, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me on. It was a wonderful, wonderful appearance. Uh, thank you again both of you and we've uh we've only just begun to live so, <laughs> yes and we're gonna come see that, you in rhode island this is a friendship that will go on now please ah, do absolutely so much, but do not drag me to john clay's i will not go <laughs> <laughs> staying away from i don't want to put my foot in my mouth again. i understand yeah, I, I lovely to meet you how wonderful yes go away please <laughs> I think it'd be even better if we do it. And he's like, "This guy again?" Oh, oh, <laughs> oh good it. lord! I met him down in the basement of the theater in Los Angeles. <laughs> Liam, I haven't even, I haven't forgiven Liam McIntyre yet for introducing me to him. <laughs> Bloody pain in the ass. <laughs> Quits and walks away from the Comic Con. Like, what the fuck happened? Like, Lamarche. <laughs> Thanks By again, way, man. Rhode Island Comic Con has got a it's got a guest list. It's the longest guest list of any Comic Con I've ever been to. I mean, wow, it doesn't really? even fit on your computer how many people are going to be there. Oh You're my scrolling god! And scrolling forever. Yeah, look it up. Look it up when you when you go off. How many people? Are... I don't. Absolutely I don't know. If they, I think I think the celebrities are more than the attendees. I think there's more. <laughs> astounding. You guys forgot to invite guests. It's just every <laughs> huge star and. 
Everybody. We're all getting each other's autographs, except me and Cleason. Just yeah. <laughs> Can't do it. Hugh Jackman standing in between you guys, like, please stop, break it up. I, I, he might actually be there. I'm not sure. Oh it's, man, if Hugh Jackman's there, awesome. that's gonna be. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. him and Cal Dodd, man. Wolverine, they're both the Wolverines in my head. I can't have anybody else play Wolverine in the films. I can't have anybody else do Wolverine's voice except for Cal. Really? Not, yeah. not even Steve Bloom. Steve, you know what? No, that's Steve Bloom comes the closest to anybody else because I've got the two of them in my when I read the comic books, it's the two of them that alternate in my head sometimes. Sometimes I do a Steve Bloom, sometimes I get Cal. It's really weird. Because because wow. Steve did the um the video games, didn't he? I think he's done almost. Uh, yeah, but I, I just all I know is Steve's Steve's license plate is S N I K T. Oh, that's beautiful. That's pretty yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's some that you know what I love. Oh, I gotta let you go, but I I can keep talking. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep going. But you know what I was gonna say is really funny. Do you remember the? Uh, did you do are you a superhero guy? Do you watch that kind of stuff? I love superhero stuff. Yeah. Oh, great. Do you remember the old X Men cartoon that they tried to do in like '89? I think I was I was like. I do, but I wasn't. I wasn't an avid watcher, but I did. I did tune tune into it once in a while. They yeah. gave Wolverine an Australian accent, and I cannot. Yeah, I can't. And I, my... I read for it. I actually read for that. And, no way. And, uh, yeah, and I, I, I said, but, but Wolverine's Canadian. Yeah, I'm Canadian. Can I read it with a Canadian accent? No, we're going Australian. Australian's badass. Canada's too oh, polite. Yeah, that so is... we all have to read with an Australian accent, and of course, I didn't get it. Oh, that's, that's all right. I landed the part of Jeremy Hulk on the critic, who's also Australian. So, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, be, I yes. beat out actual Australians for that. Oh, including that's... including uh, the Robert, the guy who played Robert Scorpio on General Hospital. Tristan. Oh Martin, my God! Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's cool. We all went. That's we all hilarious. got callbacks. <laughs> they said, "Let's go with the fake Australian." Now that now they couldn't get away with that. No, no, the no, cultural no. appropriation. You have to get a real, honest to goodness, white Australian. Yeah, you got to be authentic. <laughs> no pretending in acting anymore. You got to be the authentic. You got to be the real deal. Yeah, yeah. The only thing you don't have to do is act anymore. No, <laughs> I don't care if you can act. That's yeah, right. Brian Cranston <laughs> played a guy in a wheelchair. Amazing performance, and they were like, "You couldn't get a real guy in a wheelchair. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why? It's insane." Did you see the original French movie upon which that uh, upon which that movie was based? No, yeah. I didn't know that there was an original movie. It was, it's called um, it was called um, in, in in Intouchables. Oh shit! And uh, yeah, and it's it's as as good as Brian Cranston is. That movie is unbelievable. And they also didn't get uh, a disabled actor to play the main part. Oh. That actor is is able bodied, but you'd never know it. Don't know it for you know, and it's just a brilliant performance. Yeah. Wow, no, I'll, yeah. I'll check that out. I love that kind of stuff. I didn't know it was one beforehand. And then at the end of the movie, they show the real people upon which the movie oh, is based. Wow, yeah. go, go, stream it, stream Intouchables. It's will do, and I'll get back All to right. you about it too. Thanks, okay. man. I appreciate it. All right, yeah, take care, man. Great hanging with you guys. Take good care. You Pleasure, too, man. See you, you soon. Too. Dystopia tonight.